Welcome to DMs of Vancouver. The show where we talk to our awesome friends and amazing guests about how to help you become a better GM for your tabletop games or review games that we've played recently from a GM and a player perspective. I'm Jesse Boros and my pronouns are he, him. I'm Sean Hagen and my pronouns are also he, him. We're your co-hosts for this podcast and we've got another great episode for you. This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. In recognition of that, we ask that you please support Raven, a charity that helps support Indigenous people throughout Canada. You can find them at raventrust.com. Are you a forever DM? Have you wondered what it's like to be a player in this grand hobby of ours? Wonder no more! Today we're talking about being a player and a DM. Today we're talking to Andy Denise, pronouns they, he, about being a GM who is spending some time on the other side of the screen. Uh, Andy is going to be a player in the upcoming Charisma Saving Show. You can find them on Twitter at Cha Saving Show. That's C H A Saving Show. We hope you enjoy the show. Roll for initiative. Hey, Andy. Hi, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I'm not doing too bad. How are you guys doing? Uh hot it is suddenly warm in where i record which is super great <laughs> oh no i'm so sorry sean i think it early just... i think earlier today i watched the uh weather forecast on my phone jump a couple of degrees just in a couple of minutes oh no <laughs> so after that heat wave we had we got an ac unit so our apartment the ac has been on all day and even though this is the room that's farthest from it it's still acceptable in here <laughs> That's good to hear. Oh, yeah. So today we are going to be talking about uh, what it's like to be a, a DM who's moved to the other side of the screen, who's who's been a player for a little while, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been an interesting experience, uh, and it's 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 something I'm I'm really curious about because uh, so far I would say like. 99% of my experience has been as the, the DM or the GM in the various games that I've played. I think I've been a player twice. <laughs> Wait, has that just been when I've run one-shots for you? There, well, there was the one-shot that Jason and Ray did okay. a while back, and then I think there was like one or two other one-shots, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's how it was for me for a while, where you know I'd be DMing for forever, and then there'd be a one-shot here and there I could jump into, which... Those are fun, but there's a lot of different energy for one shots compared to like a multi session campaign. Yeah, yeah. In my in my experience, one shots like running or playing them, it's more frantic. Uh, it's a little bit more silly. <laughs> it's a bit more feral. I like. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> it's very good way to put it. <laughs> I feel like it's always chaotic, no matter what, because you you have like a set amount of like stuff to do and everything and it can't you can't go well you can go completely off the rails but like you know you're you're expected to either complete the story in the night or you know everyone gets tpk'd <laughs> yeah so uh lately for the last year and change i've been in a similar situation to you andy where i have been mostly a player instead of a dm so this is a conversation i'm also excited to have mm -hmm. it's a now that i find myself in um when I first started DMing, I went wild with everything I kept trying to put into my one campaign. And then I tr started branching off, trying to run multiple campaigns and spread the energy out. 
as a player, I now am part of multiple. In a reverse reversal, I am now part of multiple campaigns, and it sure is something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first question is, what's the uh, what's the thing that feels most different being in a campaign as a player compared to being a GM? I mean, I my first guess is that it would be just the information you have access to yes yes i was gonna say just all not having all the answers and um just it's the um the change the change up of dynamic of control where you technically have no control over anything but at the same time you have control of your character and you can control everything through a different way by like carving your path as a player and i I think it's i think it's neat I guess so, something I'm, I'm curious about is what is it like being like, because one of the things that you said is like you have control over your character and you have, and through your character is how you uh, like control bits and pieces of the world. Uh, what's it like using a character, like the one character that you control to interact with NPCs rather than being the, all of the NPCs? <laughs> Um, I was thinking about it earlier today about how DMing is very react uh, reactionary or oh, what's the proper word? Just you ha- you are constantly reacting to things. Yeah. Whereas as a player, um, you're constant. You still react to things, but you're constantly more proactive. You're always trying to do something, trying to get somewhere, trying to find something out. Right. And then something reacts to you, and you react to that. Um, I I find just. As a player, I I can navigate the seas of the adventure a little bit differently than uh, expected. <laughs> right. I've found that like as a player, it's much easier to uh, like occupy the single character. Like you can focus so much more on it than when you're flitting around between a bunch of characters all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, it's it's a very different experience, right? Because you can, it's easier to relate for me anyway. It's easier to relate to a player character that I'm playing than any NPC if I'm running, you know, five or six or more NPCs in a single session. Mm-hmm. And if if that NPC isn't like a recurring NPC, then it's just you know, there's not really much of a connection. Whereas as a player, you're always in your character's head, and you're always like, okay this could happen right so something i'm curious about is uh when you're playing as just a single character do you find uh that there's things that you wouldn't do as a gm like like voices or mannerisms or uh stuff like that that as a gm like i don't do that stuff as a gm just because it's too much to keep track of like i've already got too much to keep track of and uh having adhd doesn't help so like i just i don't do voices um but do you find that there's things that when it comes to playing a character that you would never do as a gm that you you actually have gotten into at being a player um well, what i'm gonna have to think about a little bit i'd say hmm. do you want me to answer first and you can think while i talk yeah sure all right um so actually voices is a good example so I do do voices sometimes when I DM, but uh, I tend to t- treat them basic and uh, also constantly forget what they are, which is an <laughs> oh, ongoing issue. Isn't that the mood? Um, but it's it's a lot easier when I am playing 
a character to actually like really dedicate myself to doing a voice for them and even if sometimes i get out of rhythm for it which does still happen at least i immediately i'm like that's not the right voice <laughs> what's the right right voice izzy am i doing the right voice you know talk to one of my gm or my other player and we, we kind of figure it out if you know if it doesn't ever drive everything to a halt um and it's it's fun to play around with especially like uh, I've been playing Fearbulg in one of the campaigns that's been going on, and I've been basing his voice partially on the voice that Justin McElroy McElroy <laughs> does with his Fearbulg in uh, the previous Adventure Zone. Oh, at uh, graduation. Yeah, um, mm. which you know, overall, not not my favorite season <laughs> of uh, Adventure Zone, but I liked that character a lot, at least to begin with. Um, but I've been having fun with languages too. So like, you know, when he's talking to somebody in common, he talks slower and kind of has to look for words and stuff like that because it's not the language he's used to speaking. But when the game started going into the Feywild, whenever I was talking to anybody else, I talked kind of like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually really interesting. I haven't implemented that myself. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just a thing that occurred to me while I was in the middle of like having a conversation in... Oh God! What's the actual Fey language, Sylvan, uh, with another character? And I was like, Oh wait, no, I don't have to talk all slow because this is the language that my character is used to talking in. It's it's easy for him. He doesn't have to think about things. He doesn't have to look for words. Um, and it, it was it was interesting and fun to do. And that's the type of thing that, like, as a DM, I probably wouldn't ever get into because, you know, who has the time? <laughs> yeah, like. It just made me think of uh so i'm i'm a big uh i play destiny 2 a lot and uh in the current season um there's this interesting thing happening where like one of the enemy races there's a faction of them that's like on our side and they've like come into the last city and like it's this big thing and there's this lore in the game like they release these little lore books and in one of them uh, one of the the fallen is the the name of the alien race. Well, Elixni, if you want to get really technical, but <laughs> the the there's this like in this the lore book has like ten pages, and in like one page it's it's talking about this this uh, this fallen who's talking to somebody that the players are familiar with, and uh, the this uh, it's a mechanic, and she says something. Um, and the fallen is like, what does this, what does this mean? And sarcastically, she says like, oh, it means I think very highly of them when she was actually like insulting somebody with like very rude language. And the fallen didn't understand, doesn't understand sarcasm, or at least, you know, not human sarcasm. And so in a different, in a page oh. later on, after oh, getting, sorry, some... give me just a moment. So Sean, Destiny Two tabletop uh, one shot when I've been, it's on my list of like I want to take Powered by the Apocalypse or some other system and like bolt on Destiny Two stuff. Okay, I've returned. <laughs> Alrighty, um, yeah. So this character, this this fallen character, uh, after getting some uh, noodles from a ramen shop, compliments the owner of the shop, but uses the insult that the other character had used because oh, he thought no. it was a compliment and you know talk in, in, in it's something that i've thought about like when you're talking about playing a character who 
common isn't their first language. And it's something that's common with uh, folks who like English isn't their first language or whenever they're speaking in a language that isn't their, their, the language that they grew up speaking is that there's things that uh, either like don't like humor doesn't translate well. It takes a long time for immigrants to get the hang of humor in the new country where they're living because humor is like so specific to, to language and the society of the area that you're in. And just wondering like, you know, have you ever, something that I would, I thought would be interesting is like having a, a character that, you know, tries to use sayings, but because they common isn't their first language, they're always butchering these sayings and they come out as nonsense. But that's not something I would do as a DM for an NPC, unless it's an NPC that the players are always running into and always talking to, because I'm not going to remember to do it for a character that they visit, you know, once every 10 sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a, a thing to be careful with too, because I think that can turn into kind of a for sure mean spirited uh, mocking pretty easily. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a good reason to not try to do it because yeah, it's could come off as just like, haha, this accent is funny and it's based on a real world accent and that's funny. And it's not. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> what was the original question? Because I answered um, it and we got off on a tangent. It yeah. was things that you uh, wouldn't do as a DM that you would do as a player or something similar to that. Yeah. Um, for me, um, I think the way I tackle problems is a lot more fearless and chaotic as a player. <laughs> <laughs> and as a DM, I'm like, no, I've got to, I've got to like control the chaos a little bit so that there's some sort of... Huh, some sort of uh, boundaries to things. I will say the last couple of one shots I did run did not have any boundaries and were all chaos, which was <laughs> a lesson in itself. <laughs> I, I actually always find that really interesting um, when I've been a player for a while and then I DM something. Um, first of all, like the anxiety about it is like way higher than it usually is. Like oh way yeah. Higher. Um, but then also I, I, you know, I do the thing where I'm like, I will always, especially if I look back on it later, go, oh yeah, that was inspired by the thing that my GM did or one of the players did. did. It's one of those things that's actually, it's nice about being a player. You get to pay more attention to the other players. Mm -hmm. Because as, as a GM, you have to pay attention to everybody and it's, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I guess that's a good thing to follow up on is like what is it like having downtime where you don't have to really like you can sit back let the other players talk let the gm talk you don't have to be like because sometimes it feels like as a as the gm you have to be on for the entire session you have to yeah. be paying attention you have to know what's going on you have to be thinking about what might come up next whereas as a player and like just from the one shots it's like you know if if a player and the GM are having a conversation because, you know, about a rule or the, what the NPC said, or just getting some clarification, like I can the few times that I have been a player, it's like, I can just sit back and just think about my character or this cool piece of treasure or this cool weapon that I just got and how I might use it. Um, what, what, like, is that kind of something that you, as a player that you get to do more and it's a lot 
nicer than being on all the time. Yes, it's a it's a good refresher and just like it lets you get in your character's head a lot easier. I spend a lot of time actually um thinking about like okay, what am I gonna do next? Or like when I get the next bit of downtime, what kind of thing do I want to try and tackle with my character? Um, sometimes it's oh uh, you know I need to have an important talk with another uh, character in character, or I need to do. Um, I need to talk to an NPC about something really specific, or I need to go hunting with my animal for for a bit and just chill. Um, I, I find, yeah, as a as a player, having those moments where other people are doing things gives me a chance to think about more about like what I want to do or like m- how um, how my character might actually interact with the other characters because sometimes stuff happens too quickly. And you're you're like, oh, wait, I should have done this in that moment. When other players take the spotlight a little bit, it gives you a chance to just prepare yourself for things or to figure out the puzzle or to think about uh, ship dynamics, if you will. (laughs) See, for me personally, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's nice to have kind of the moment to breathe. Um, But I am also, especially when I'm playing online, very distractible. Um, so I, I am the, I am unfortunately the player that often devolves into like, what's going on on Twitter? Oh um, uh, yeah, I, and, I feel that. Yeah. Um, and I, I do my best not to, um, and I've mostly because I've also been primarily playing a druid, which I, I, I would say is the class that's most like running, like playing or being a DM, uh, just cause you gotta like look at multiple stat blocks and all the spells and everything. And, um, all your spells can do everything and control everything. And you get all your spells. Like yep. You have access to all of them. Um, so I, I do spend a lot of time, or I kind of tried to redirect that distractibleness into spending more time actually reading what all the spells do, because the list is huge. Um, <laughs> it is, and some of the spells for like, for like Cleric and Druid are like pretty out there. Mm-hmm. And some... Some of them, um, I remember a couple years back, um, it was a second level cleric spell, I, Warding Bond. For some reason, I hadn't ever heard of it, even though it's in the PHB. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow, these spell, this is a spell that exists. I should probably uh, spend time as a player, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, for me, like it's like, wait, I can do Witch Bolt and then turn into a dire wolf and fight somebody while maintaining witch bolt <laughs> oh um, that's disgusting like that. yeah it's <laughs> terrible um it's also very boring I, this is a thing that I, I you think i would have learned by now because i played a warlock and did a similar thing but instead of being a dire wolf i had uh, god what's that spell where you have after images of yourself oh uh mirror image yeah i had mirror image active because only one of those spells is a concentration spell um, and it was very effective and also very boring because I couldn't do anything else <laughs> for for an entire boss fight. I was just like, uh, I ping you for damage. If you if you want some excite if you want excitement, dump constitution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it's like like I was saying though, it's a challenge for me because I am distractible. Um, so it's uh, like I said, it's both. Uh, I try and use that to at least a semi-positive thing, but it's also, uh, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> right. <laughs> Understandable. So something I'm, I'm curious about then is, are there any 
behaviors that when you're a GM, when a player there, there's things that players do that, that bug you and you're just like, oh, please don't do that or anything like that, that as a player, you like find yourself getting close to doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> as an instigator of chaos, um, I am unfortunately the force of distraction in a good amount of parties, and I try to rein that in. <laughs> Sometimes it works completely well for the character. Other times it's like, oh, okay, I uh, on numerous occasions have tried making like a very lawful character, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> See, I'm like, and- uh. I, I, I can see like a mile ahead the moment where I'm going to break that just a little bit. I'm like, oh no. And this is why I just don't think about alignment when I make that character. <laughs> well, like I, I try to make like, um, I've had characters who are supposed to be like very like serious and everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's just going to walk into the street. Let's just go. He's going he's gonna to say some one liner. Yeah, I mean, my thing is the, and I'm trying to get better about this as a DM because I used to be very frustrated when people were on their phones at the game. Um, and I, there was a, a friend in specifically who would do it all the time. And we learned many years later that they have ADHD and that's why they were doing it. It was so they could be focusing kind of on two things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I was younger, it really frustrated me. And and to be fair, it is frustrating when it feels like someone's not paying attention when you're putting all this effort into running a game. Um, I'm also trying to be better about it because I do it myself. So Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, okay, I, I see why this happens. I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's also, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help for games that have such a combat focus because that's when it usually happens for me is when we're fighting something that I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh, my my turn's not for a half hour. Um <laughs> I wonder what's going on on Twitter or Yeah. Yeah, when you've got a game where like there can be a lot of like I need to position myself and you know, yeah, somebody's turn can take 10 minutes to like because they've got to, they want to make sure that they all the possible bonuses are applied and that all of that stuff, you know, that when they roll and then all that stuff has to get resolved and it can take a while depending on what class they're playing. And then you've got like three or four other players before it gets to you. Like, yeah, I can, it's, yeah, it's interesting because like as a, as a GM, like when, when I'm running a combat, especially in D and D it's like, if somebody's on their phone and I'm with somebody else, like I try to remember to like give them a heads up to like, Hey, your turn is next. Um, mm-hmm. Because, I think like I think combat is the one time that it it would never bug me that somebody's on their phone because I tend I try to give people a heads up that like hey your turn is next like when I you know I move to person A and I tell person B you're up next and I'm I'm always doing that just to give people a heads up but I could see yeah I could see somebody being on their phone when it's like yeah the king is giving this speech and you're just on your phone is oh, yeah it's frustrating I could see that yeah yeah I I I know um just from like online the indie community said like yeah combat's something that sometimes just makes people dissociate <laughs> um, whether you're watching or listening to a show and it's just combat or sometimes as turns are going around and around it's, it's sometimes very hard to focus on stuff yeah so, just it's one the one thing that if i ever did do an actual play that the combat would be turned into just a narrated sequence afterwards oh yeah yeah that'd oh, yeah. be That'd be Dark cool. Dice does that. Oh, neat. 
Yeah, Dark Dice is great. It's also like horrifying. Um, <laughs> but also Jeff Goldblum is in it now. Huh. <laughs> um I, I've been meaning to check it out because uh, uh Tanya's in it. I just happened uh uh Tanya to pass. Um oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, or maybe she it, is. uh I believe she is. Now I have to check. <laughs> yeah, now I have to check. Or maybe it's pronounced Tanya. I don't actually know. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's got a pretty good cast. It does. Um, God. Uh, so a thing I find interesting about the combat distraction thing is, like, I came up playing 4th edition D&D, which is even more combat focused. <laughs> but oh, I had yeah. an easier time focusing during that game. And I don't know if it's because it was more of, like, an actual board game and, like, all of the stuff kind of mattered because... You know, every character had to pay attention to their map position, or if it was just that I was younger and just had an easier time concentrated than I do. Oh, maybe. Um, I've, I've I've tried fourth edition out, and it's interesting having all those abilities. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that was part of the thing. It was like you needed to like read through your abilities. Yeah, I played um, when I tried it out. I played a warden. Oh, nice. And that was that was fun, but I had to like make sure like oh. This um can't remember everything actually, but I had like a shield ability or some kind of earthbind ability, and certain things would only be situational. And I was like, okay, yeah, I need to make on... sure I pay attention to being able to use this thing. Yeah. Then on top of that, as a warden, because I think they were a defender class, so you would have had some sort of mark that you had to keep track of. So usually there would be like an enemy that you would declare is like, yeah, you're only allowed to fight me, or else I do things to you off of my turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great because I was also a gnome, so just <laughs> angry gnome thrown into a dungeon. Let's go. <laughs> Are there so I guess moving back to the the questions about being a DM who's also been a player is uh, are there things because I think you mentioned this a little bit, Jesse, like things that the folks who are jamming for you uh, that you see them do something, whether it's use a, a monster in an interesting way or a spell or have a cool NPC or just something neat that you're like, oh, I want to try doing that. I want to play with that mechanic the same way that they did. Like, are there things that you learn from the GMs that you're playing with? So personally, not necessarily mechanically. Sometimes it'll happen with, it'll be like, oh, that's a neat way to do it. Uh, but it's more framing. So like, uh uh, my friend Izzy is very good about like not saying what the monster is. Okay, just okay. describing it and what it's doing. And you know, you know, I've been playing D anD D long enough that I have a pretty good backlog in my memory of what that probably is. Um, but it's it's very effective because it you know I have to pay more attention now when they are describing a creature as opposed to just being like it's a quaddle. Um, but also, and this, this is the thing that I think I more take from other DMs that, uh, a trait that I very much admire, uh, that both, uh, Milo and again, my friend Izzy do is, um, they take their niche interests and work them into their games in a way that is, uh, actually interesting and fun to be a player in, uh, which is not always the case with DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's a skill that I desperately want to like try and cultivate after seeing them do it so much that again, I guess my niche interest is tabletop games. So (laughs) don't know how useful that'll be for me. You just put the game inside of the game and keep going. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a game inside a game inside a game inside a game. Well, inside I mean, a game. it's it's funny because I was like the first thing that sprang to mind is like I could probably do that in Eclipse phase, like have everybody sit down, hand out some character sheets for some like uh, like maybe one of my end of the world games or something and then like have it be a really tough scenario and everybody dies and then like pull back to like you're in a simulation and that that was what you were just doing and oh it's like a, a classic thing uh, what comic did this runaways did this in like someone's very first like comics where it was like the avengers doing something but they were all talking like kind of weirdly out of character and then eventually you realize it's someone else playing an avengers themed mmo within the marvel <laughs> universe um classic um but yeah it's it's something i I really want to like milo will work in a lot of their uh like medical stuff and and like uh, insect things and other things like that um my friend izzy is actually very interested in medieval history and like day-to-day life so they like work that in to where they'll like be able to very specifically tell us what we're eating and how it's made (laughs) and all that kind of stuff and it's oh, like yeah. routinely like oh this is actually interesting because it's not because i've been in games where a dm will do something similar but they will use it as a limiting factor as opposed to being like oh yeah no this is just interesting excuse me interesting flavor it doesn't limit what you can do but it's interesting and you should know it or you know you can not pay attention to it and it doesn't really affect the game either way right and and you andy have is there anything that you've picked up or thought about using that a, a dm has used when when you've been a player um i've i've been really paying attention and appreciating the dms in my life just the ones that i play with oh and the ones that i'm friends with and talk to and admire um for the people i play with um it's interesting seeing how different people pace things or what they use when uh for certain encounters um they've i've been th- I've been really forced to think outside the box and also stretch my resources for certain campaigns, with certain characters, and just seeing how my friends take on different parts of storytelling. Like um, my one friend, JD, he's very thematic with things and very energetic. Um, one of the things I like that he really does is um, he's very good with describing um, like cities and jungles and sort of what people were doing and also describing food really well and it's it's a it's a neat little thing it's it's just flavor but it it adds to sort of like the culture of the game um one of my friends who uh, he runs the game i play my divine sorcerer in um the the empire we're in is very hellenistic and so, and we're constantly sort of shown that through how the military is and how the society is and everything and it's it's neat getting those little bits of here's how here's how the world works you don't have to exactly conform to this but here's how regular society works you're adventurers you're doing your own thing and it, it i find that so interesting because like one of the things that people talk about online like it's it's a recurring topic is people having to deal with with gatekeepers and people saying like, oh, you, you know, if you're going to play D&D, you need to play it right. And, and people being, well, annoying and assholes. <laughs> um, and I'm just thinking that those people must be missing out on 
some amazing DMs because like DMs like the ones you're talking about who bring their interest into the game and makes it so unique to play with them where you have somebody who like can talk about medical stuff in in a really interesting way and bring that into the game or bring in like yeah this is what food might have been like what would have been like back you know in the 1200s or whatever and i'm gonna bring that into this game or somebody who knows a whole lot about you know maybe brewing and how it was done you know back in medieval ages and they're able to bring that into a quest in a really interesting way and just if i had a choice between somebody who's like no offense, Jesse, somebody whose interest was just tabletop games and somebody who <laughs> was like, I don't know, like a physicist or a doctor or whatever, like they have this interest or this thing that's not tabletop games and they're, they want to be a GM. Like, yeah, I'll play with you because I want to see how you bring that side of your life into the game. Yeah, no, no offense actually taken because I feel the same way. <laughs> uh, I no, I I shouldn't say that about myself. I do have other like niche interests that do make its way into my games, but it usually ends up being structure wise as opposed to like detail oriented. And I think for me that's the difference because like a lot of my games or characters are inspired by uh, a punk song that I heard five minutes before I started writing stuff down. So that made it in there. Um, <laughs> and that, that's, that's tends to be how it works for me. Um, but like, you know, I don't have that, like, you know, there was a period when I was running my first campaign when I was in college and I was in geography, geology, geology. Um, and so like I had to kind of make up a town on the spot and I was like, Oh yeah, they harvest stones here. This is what this looks like. And, you know, I was able to just, throw off all these this knowledge about rocks and stuff off the top of my head because i was had literally been in class you know three hours before learning it mm -hmm. um but since i'm not in that situation anymore uh and i don't want to talk about uh making model teeth all day <laughs> or sorting inventory all day uh, which is what i now do for my day job um i mean you know those both sound like amazing scenarios for a game of paranoia well uh, yes <laughs> Or just a horror game in general. Yeah. But I don't run horror, really, <laughs> so it doesn't serve me that well. And also, like, honestly, I am less and less working at all with actual teeth, and now I'm working with, like, the materials people use to make crowns and stuff like that, and storing it. And, like, I, you know, I don't think I want to introduce inventory keeping <laughs> and, like, uh, you know, a massive 200-person company into my game of D&D, uh, &D because uh, no thank you. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. It's I, I'm I'm. It's one of those things, though. It's like, but th that could be really useful information if you were running like a game of Shadowrun, like knowing how these like medium-sized corporations work would let you maybe do something really interesting there. Because like I, I'm kind of in the same boat, right? Because like I've got you know, there's not many ways that I can bring knowledge about programming into D and D, but. You know, I, I worked at a warehouse for a little while and I could use that that knowledge of what it was like in there to maybe do something interesting in Eclipse Phase or in Shadowrun. This is true. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting thinking about um, what the things you can bring into your games, like your hobbies and everything as a DM, but also as a player. Um, I guess the most niche... Huh. Now I have to really think about this. I think the weird thing that always ends up for me in games or as a player is just dancing <laughs> dancing and performing um i've had some very 
performative NPCs before, and I have some characters that are very high energy, and <laughs> it's 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 interesting seeing how I apply it to different roles. Is there anything uh, that either of you have experienced that's kind of like that? I mean, I've I have occasionally run into uh, Dean. DMs or other players who do sword fighting and like try and introduce that into the game, though that ends up being its own complicated thing sometimes. <laughs> um, but like, see, personally, no, like most of my hobbies are not particularly uh, physical in that way. And so, like, I find like that kind of stuff introducing it in doesn't really work well for me. So, it's uh, if I want to introduce something, like, if I am playing a character who does something that's entirely foreign to me um i will sometimes do research and if i do that helps with that kind of stuff but like um no i don't really have anything like in my personal life that i could pull out that same way Mm. i think for me like the first thing that comes to mind is blacksmithing because i've taken some blacksmithing courses and really enjoy it and want to have my own forge someday but i can't do it in a townhouse uh, because everybody will be mad about how loud it is. Um, <laughs> Understandable. You just need to like very much soundproof your garage or whatever. <laughs> yeah, soundproof my garage so the place where I have this, you know, six, seven, eight hundred degree forge <laughs> is uh, just turns it into an oven. It's a super idea. Oh, um, so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I'm just, I, I guess I'm thinking about like the uh, like. Yeah, working in a, in a warehouse and how some of that would be applicable more to uh, cyberpunk or futuristic games, but some of that is still applicable to like D and D because you know uh, just thinking about how how is in a union and how they had a measure of control over like how much people worked and stuff like that, and you know having a little bit of insight into that, like I could maybe bring that into like you know the there's something going on with with the unions in the city like the the guilds in the city which were kind of the the unions back in the day but not really it's a really bad comparison but um just and i don't i'm trying to think of like jobs that i've had that i could bring that in or like other hobbies that i've had because like i i worked as a door-to-door gas marketer for a while and i could i don't think that like trying to think of how that could work like traveling traveling merchant yeah i was gonna say the good news sean is that like you whether you're doing it um and you know same goes for me and same goes for andy and anyone else running whether you do it uh, intentionally or not or you're aware of it you are taking your previous experiences and putting something of them into a game because those things tend to shape your whole outlook on everything yeah which then shapes your outlook on this stuff like yeah uh you know my disdain uh at a lot of customer service stuff because i worked in you know retail for so long is part of it like you know i do not believe that the customer is always right uh because (laughs) they're fucking wrong most of the time in fact um and that i think that that's gonna bleed into my attitude towards uh just the general public um in games i run right and I guess, like as a as a follow up, is like, are there things that uh, you've learned as a GM? Because we t- we talked a little about like learning from the GMs that you've played with as a player and bringing that into your own games. Is there stuff that you've learned from players or 
from being a GM that you brought into being a player? Like, because you talk a little bit about trying to be more conscientious of like being on your phone or being on Twitter because it's something that annoyed you. Is there stuff that you've noticed players do that like, oh, that was really nice of them or like, I need to remember that or like, yeah, anything that you've brought from the GM side into uh, a player or have I already asked that? I'm trying to ask like the reverse. From the player side to the GM side, but from other players? Yeah. Um, I guess. Thoughtfulness? Um, Yeah, thoughtfulness is the first thing that really comes to mind. Um, well, I guess what do you what do you mean by that? Just so, Andy, please go first. <laughs> for me, just being uh, considerate of the players and everything, because I've I've had other players who have like um have like gone out to ask another character like, hey, are you okay? And usually you don't have unless it really matters in your story. Your NPCs don't always check in on your player. Sometimes it's just good to have an NPC just do that or yeah. just to do it yourself as a GM. So that's an amazing piece of GMing advice. We're like, yeah, it's totally another thing that would occur to me, at least in like, especially in a fantasy setting or something like that. Like, yeah, some people are just decent people who will ask you, like, <laughs> we'll just ask people if they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the Norse campaign I play in, um, we are constantly asking each other in character if we're okay. Because we're all pretty messed up. <laughs> I I could see I could see that being a really like not just a nice thing to do, but a way to have like a really powerful moment in a game is where like after after some big battle, like you've saved the town from an attacking black dragon, but there has been a lot of damage and like it was your character's home one of the characters' hometowns and like yeah, you could have like an NPC check in and be like, Hey, are you okay? Like I could see that being a really powerful and interesting moment to have. And also, yeah, just a nice way to just like make sure, Hey, your character invested a lot in this town and now half of it is gone. Are you okay? Oh, Fandolin. <laughs> oh, no. But it's true, right? Like, cause um, I think uh, at least I know that I personally as a GM often have characters who are uh, standoffish with the players about stuff because usually the people they're either talking to all the time or an authority figure or uh pike who constantly shows up who is just kind of a grumpy asshole um (laughs) who is a character that i might get to play in an actual game at some point now and i'm like having a lot of fun writing a backstory but that's not important right now um yeah it's it's a thing that i think i like i need to think of more i'm sure lots of i think that's a good piece of advice for anyone who's dming like Think about how your NPCs who, you know, like the players would react, mm-hmm. you know, not just always assume they're okay. Yeah, because I think as as DMs and GMs, we spend a lot of time thinking about the antagonists and how they're reacting to the to the players, to the party, um, and thinking of thinking of all of that stuff. And when we think of the 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 NPCs who are friendly, it's usually in terms of like how are they going to cook them on this quest that'll lead them to the next bit of story? And not so much like they've been working with this, this group for a while now and they've, they've started to become friends or are they worried about the party after what they just did? Are they worried about, you know, the effects of having to go and cleanse that evil sword or whatever? Like, yeah, having the NPCs check in because 
it's something we should be doing as as GMs anyways, is checking in with the players just to make sure that like is everything good, you're all all okay. But having the NPCs check in as well, yeah, I really mm-hmm. like that idea. Yeah, because it it gives you um, like you can check in as a GM, totally fine. You should do it. But having something in the world, someone in the world check in as well, just really kind of livens up your world and also makes the players feel a little bit of kinship and everything just feel important but in a different way yeah yeah for sure and pull them deeper into the story because exactly it's like they're actually a person existing in the thing as opposed yeah. to just an icon that is only kind of a few personality traits that you rolled off of a table <laughs> yeah they're, they're not just a, a a model standing there with an exclamation point over their head they're start getting them to start think of them thinking of them as a as a person as a being that lives in this world and like the one thing i, I hope for like not setting up gms to be like haha i will get them super invested and then kill the npc like no uh, <laughs> please don't do that please don't kill the favorite npc <laughs> please only do that sometimes yeah <laughs> when your players are okay with it cuz i know that like that's the thing that i'm fine with as a player yeah. But I also know that not everybody shares that. And so you yeah. gotta try and be thoughtful about that kind of stuff. Because like for some people it is legitimately traumatic, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is yeah. Again, and that goes back to like conversations we've had about just like, you know, the X card and safety measures and stuff like that and checking in checking in with your players and all that. But yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I guess the what else um are there any like it 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 sounds like for the most part, there's like a lot of like small little things of like, you know, learning how to bring uh, more mindfulness uh, about like your hobbies and bringing that into the game in a way that makes the game more interesting and checking in on the players and all this. Like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff here. Are there any other things that either of you have learned as a player that is worthwhile for GMs and DMs to know Um either as something to like try and learn to make yourself a better GM or things to like make things easier and more fun and better for your players. I've got a for... quick Oh, sorry, Andy, please. Go oh, first. if you're, if yours is quick, I, I... yeah, go ahead. Um, try and pay attention to things that you don't like when a GM does and try to not do that shit in your game because you probably do it. So just really don't agree. realize it and just try and pay attention and utilize that information. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, playing as a player um, has definitely opened up a lot of things that I already kind of knew and sort of practiced, but like really hit home with certain things. Um, stuff like, you know, you need you need to have information available. Like your players don't have all the answers. Um, they'll be going into a puzzle or some kind of challenge and you you'll easily see the map laid ahead of you. But your players won't. And sometimes if you don't give them enough information, they won't come to the same conclusion or any kind of conclusion. There's always the um, the joke about like puzzles for like kids to um, set up your uh, to throw at your players and everything. But like I know from my own experience, I used to do like all sorts of strange puzzles and crazy challenges and just they kind of were pretty hit and miss because I could see all the pieces, but not everybody else could. And that's really unfair to the players. Don't do that. Yeah, I think make sure make sure to have all the information or most of the information and the pieces there for your players. Yeah, that's 
I think that's one of the, the trickiest things as a as a GM to remember is that when you're prepping a puzzle or a challenge or whatever it is, like it, it's it's the same thing that the like game developers, whether they're board games or video games, it's what they run into is that like they're always playtesting their game. So the difficulty for them is a lot lower than somebody who's coming into it fresh. And it's something we have to remember is that when you're crafting something for your players that, yeah, you have all of the information because you built this thing and players don't. And if you find yourself like, because it's something that I, I've run into with that. It's like, I found myself getting frustrated. I'm like, this is not that hard. And I have to remind myself, no, I made this. I know what the answer is. And I have to be open to either going with an answer that they come up with or giving them more hints. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then another thing is also sometimes, sometimes it's okay to just go easy on your players. Cause <laughs> as a player who gets um, my cleric gets down every combat <laughs> for the last year and a half, <laughs> sometimes it's, uh, I should, should preface this with, there's no, there's no like bad ill towards my DM in that game. I dumped Constitution for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I dumped Constitution and Dexterity for a reason. I knew what I was getting into. Um, sometimes your encounters will be a lot tougher than you think, and so from the player's side, since I've definitely gone into encounters that were very deadly, sometimes it's okay to just roll back the difficulty. You know, I have the I have friends who use like encounter builders and everything, and they build like hard encounters for the party. Sometimes it's okay to just scale it down. Sometimes it's really fun and exciting to scale it up, but it's okay to go easy on your players. Yeah, for sure. Yep, I actually do that quite often. It, you know, it's uh, for me. It's a more reading the room thing, um, and like often too, from a narrative point of view, if you come out swinging and like hit your say four out of your five players with a breath attack that takes one to like five <laughs> HP and the others are all pretty badly hurt right at the gate. That's already a memorable fight. Yeah. yeah. I I've definitely, I've definitely been in the chair and then unleashed something only to be like, Oh, I see. Like, Oh, that's just never gonna, Oh, they're the recharge just keeps on failing for this one. I just, <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> On the other hand, I have been on the opposite end and had oh the recharge keeps coming back, <laughs> which yeah. which was legit and it sucked, but it forced the party and me to get really creative. It's funny talking about the the recharge though because I'm something I'm curious about is because I've I'm kind of on the fence. I can depending on how the the session or the game is going overall, I am kind of two minds about fudging uh when it comes to to how things are going uh have either of you noticed or been able to notice or like wondered like did they just fudge a roll to make things easier on us like as a player yeah. who's been a gm i i feel like i've been in a couple instances where it's happened but it hasn't been anything too intense i have definitely been in situations where our gm was going hard after us and then realized how close we were to death and suddenly pulled back and i find that very that tends to be very noticeable Mm. um and it can be okay sometimes but sometimes it is frustrating especially when you feel like you were still gonna win um but it's one of it's tough right like 
it's easy to complain about that kind of stuff, but you know, sometimes you got to remember too, the GMs have a story they're trying to tell. Um, and it fucks up that story if they kill all their players. Yeah. And I guess something I'm, I'm curious about if, if the, if the DM had asked like, Hey, this fight seems a lot tougher than I intended. How does everybody feel about it? Like, do you think that would have been a conversation worth having? I think so. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things that's a little tough because it's it's hard to like stop a, a tough vicious combat to be like y'all okay with this i think it depends on it depends on a lot of stuff right because if this is a boss fight then it's gonna be it's gonna it, be hard it should it, be it should yeah. be difficult right um but if if you know like because this this happens a lot uh i know with newer gms uh and hell like the first uh session my friend ray or was i can't yeah ray ever ran a fourth edition when it came out uh he killed one of the team the party members because he just you know wasn't quite used to the system um and that's that's really common and all honestly the rules for making encounters in 5e are kind of weird anyway um yeah they really are (laughs) so some fights that are meant to be like a breeze uh, through either uh, miscalculation or bad dice luck can turn into a nightmare. And like I think sometimes stuff like that is when it comes okay to be like, so this fight wasn't supposed to go this way. What do you guys want to do here? Um, mm-hmm. And like take it back. And, you know, I, I know for some people that is, you know, no, you can't do that. That's not how this whole thing works. Uh, and I know for other people, they're like, yeah, know what uh i i would like to say why don't we like can we cut our losses call it a win and maybe like you know we lose us we you know we've already used a bunch of resources on this fight that is just like somehow these three goblins kicking our ass let's uh <laughs> let's just uh, call it there i think we've already sp- spent enough on this fight i well i guess a follow-up is as, as a just as a player like not even a gm who's now a player more than a gm have you ever discussed retreat? Because it's it's something that I'm I I try to think of when I'm a GM and there's a you know a fight where I know that the players are numerically overwhelmed, but they are superior in terms of like power because they're you know the players they've got so many resources at hand, and like I try to keep an eye on like you know if there's a bunch of goblins and a hob a couple of hobgoblins that like if the hobgoblins all die the goblins are gonna try and get out of there because they know that they don't stand a chance. And have you ever discussed or because something I'm always curious about is like, will the players ever decide to retreat before they're wiped out? Um, I've definitely been in parties where the DM or just the way our path has gone in the story has gone through dangerous territory or into a monster's lair that was, you know, more difficult than it needed to be for us. Um, retreat's definitely always an option or you know always finding another path but sometimes sometimes you don't have that option you try to have that option the 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 retreat thing is hard because it is um it's one of those things where like you know personally i always think players should have a bit of wiggle room for the like it's what my character would do thing but sometimes legitimately if you're playing a character whose whole thing is like i fight everything i don't care if i die I must prove that I am the better fighter. You know, that makes it really hard for a party to retreat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it, like I said, it's tough. It, it, it's super circumstantial to who's in the party, who the players are, what their characters are like, and what the fight even is. Because that's mm-hmm. the other thing. You know, retreat. I know there's a discussion around like why don't players retreat more. And I think part of the answer is, where the hell are they going to go? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think also part of it's just sometimes, you know, playing the odds of like, are we outmatched? Should we retreat? Or can we actually push this and overcome a difficult hurdle and, you know, win the fight? Yeah. And sometimes it's really hard to gauge that. As um, the, uh, the game I play my sorcerer in, I am the only spellcaster and healer in that party and (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's been a balancing act of bonus action spells all over the place (laughs) but um for that one there's a lot of times where the fights are really rough and sometimes um some of the other fighters in the party go down or they're in a rough situation or they're surrounded but we end up winning but other times um it's nearly most of us knocked out and like two of us like holding back a tide of enemies and sometimes you know sometimes you try to retreat then but if you do you leave the rest of the party to die or you know where do you retreat to as you said earlier um in that same campaign though we did have we did have a very big dramatic moment that involved um we were kind of protecting this little logging village in the middle of nowhere and there was orcs that were under the control of a dragon that were kind of doing raids on villages and towns and everything. And we had then a couple of um, missions to kind of destroy their equipment or their forces and everything. Eventually, it came crashing down where they surrounded the town with an army. And we did learn that the dragon was real. <laughs> and so the dragon... This was, we were like level five. This was definitely an adult dragon, maybe an ancient one. And we had two options. Go forth and fight the dragon and its horde because we had a potential magical ally who did a very Gandalf, um, just, you know, look look to the West kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> or retreat. And a lot of us really wanted to fight. But... What ended up happening was we retreated. We escaped the village. We got everybody out. And our ally did show up and fight the dragon for us. Which, a uh, giant elk showing up with a bunch of, like, Ents was pretty spectacular. <laughs> but, yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to know when to play the odds. Yeah. Cause I'm, just, I'm just thinking of, like, all of, like, if I was, like... Th- in the future, if I'm ever in a position where like the players have to get ready to be besieged by some attacking army, you know, thinking of like trying to put it in terms of like Helm's Deep of like, yeah, you, you guys have sorted out all of your defenses for the walls and like fallback positions and all of that. How are you going to get out of here if things go south? Like, like I'm going to try to remember to ask that question so that it doesn't feel like a TPK of things all go horribly wrong. <laughs> that is a very good idea. Um, but I think uh, coming to the end of our time here, so before we before we wrap up, uh, is there any final things that you'd like to, either of you would like to say about 
things you've learned or things that uh, you found interesting about being a GM who's been a player for a bit now? Um, and if the answer is no, that is totally fine. I think if there's any kind of advice I'd have, it's um, be open to the changes that happen in your games, whether they're from uh, from DMs or from players. Because yeah. there's there's a there's a lot you can learn from other players and other DMs that you can bring to your own table, or yeah. things from your table that you can even bring to another table as a player. For sure, I would also say uh, do it. Like if you're a forever DM. I know it's not doable for everybody. I know like some people, you know, nobody else in the group wants to run. Try and be a player sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also try and not do the thing where all session you're thinking, that's not how I would have run it. Jeez, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because no. like, and you know, I, I think it is pretty natural for people to fall into that occasionally. Uh, but, you know, try and correct yourself if you notice you're doing it because you're just going to not have fun and you you know you might ruin it for the other people at the table too so don't do that shit <laughs> all righty uh andy anything that you'd like to plug before we get out of here um well besides the christmas saving show um nothing else right now but if you're interested in seeing me i will be on that at some point um you can check out our youtube channel and our eventual uh podcast form of everything nice cool and uh where assuming you want you want people to maybe find you online where can people find you online um on most places you can find me at a hero of hearts you can find me there on twitch on twitter on instagram i think also on tiktok but i don't use it (laughs) cool um well thanks so much for for talking to us today this has been a blast Mm -hmm. thanks for having me again Thanks again for coming on, and uh, we'll, we'll obviously have to have you back again someday. Mm-hmm. Hopefully next time I'm on, Sean, we'll have uh, played some games as a player again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I need to go play some games as a player, it sounds like. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta play like, you just gotta play like a fighter and just whack some things, or you play some... That sounds so cathartic, <laughs> just like, I don't have to think about anything, just hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's being a player is very fun and just soul food i i am worried that i would be the kind of player that's like i know what the gm is trying to do i'm going to mess it up on purpose oh uh, i have i have been there a couple times <laughs> oh no uh well anyways let's uh get out of here let's wrap this thing up yeah bye 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 thanks again for listening to our show We are proud members of the Cave Goblin Podcast Network. Find us and other shows at cavegoblins.com. You can support us and our network by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cavegoblins or by joining our Discord. You can also support us by leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show. You can find us on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver, Jesse Barros, or Sean P. Hagen. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. Our art is done by the wonderful Haley Boros. See more of her work at HaleyBoros.com. That's everything for this episode. Hope to see you out there at the gaming table.
Everyone is Jonas is a live-streamed competitive role-playing podcast hosted by me, Doug Vandalay. Me, Eric Ivanovich. And me, Talia Murdoch. On twitch.tv forward slash cavegoblins every Monday at 7.30pm PST. Hey there, lovely listeners. I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to tell you about my show, Everything Economics. Every week, I talk about the world around you, specific social and economic issues, and dive into how fantasy realms would work in real life. That's Everything Economics on the Cave Goblin Network. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.